so nice to see the little kids with me today. <laughs> You're mine. There was a couple that retired to a small Arizona ranch, and they acquired a few sheep. And at lambing time, it was necessary for them to bring two of the newborns into the house so they could care for them and bottle feed them. And as these lambs grew up, they began to follow the, the farmer's wife all around the ranch. Well, she was telling a friend about the strange development, and her friend asked her, she said, so, so what did you name them? And with a sigh, she said, well, I named them Goodness and Mercy. Of course, referring to the line out of Psalm that says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our scripture today deals with sheep and shepherds. Now, let me ask our kids real quick. How many of you have sheep at home? You used to have goats? Nobody has sheep? How many of you have ever been to a petting zoo and saw sheep? Yeah. Well, we're talking today about sheep. It's a very familiar image in the Bible because God is our shepherd and we are his sheep. Sheep were very important to the agricultural lives of people back in Scripture. It's probably why sheep and shepherd are referred to over 500 different times in Scripture. For King David, who authored a lot of the book of Psalms, it was a great metaphor for him to always think about his relationship with God. And that's why he began Psalms 23 with, The Lord is my shepherd. But David wasn't the only Old Testament writer to use this imagery. The prophet Isaiah referred to sheep as a way to illustrate how people go away from God. He wrote, All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned from our own ways. And of course, this language about sheep and shepherd continues on to the New Testament. We know that uh, Jesus is the ultimate shepherd, but he's also our sacrificial lamb. Now, unless you grew up on a sheep ranch or a farm or spent a lot of time at petting zoos, you may not be very familiar with sheep. And you may wonder, why are we described compared with sheep? It doesn't seem very flattering to me to be compared with a sheep. I mean, they seem to be kind of dumb animals, just kind of wandering off, following the herd, sometimes getting themselves in dangerous situations. It doesn't seem very flattering to me. But I guess the more that I've read about it and looked at it, it's probably less flattering to the sheep to be compared to a human than the other way around. Because when we really begin to look at the life of a sheep and we realize what being a good sheep is, where they stick with its flock, where they remain close to the shepherd, we can begin to see these qualities that we need to have as followers of Jesus Christ. Just like a disciple of Christ, a sheep benefits greatly from its flock. We can be safe, guided, nourished, receive correction and care. And the opportunity to be useful and productive. Being a part of the flock is like the equivalent of having an American Express card. Membership has its privileges, right? But we as a society today tend to be more like mules, don't we? We tend to have that mule-like character that we are going to do it our way and we're stubborn and we want to resist what we're supposed to do. So it requires the work of the Holy Spirit to make us into the kind of sheep that God wants us to be as we join his flock. 
So I want us to ask ourselves, what does it take to be a good sheep, to be in God's flock? How can we make sure that we are in the right flock, obeying the good shepherd instead of wandering off on our own? What is it that we need to know as members of Christ's flock? And so I want to look at our scripture this morning and have Jesus teach us a few things about what we need to learn as his flock. Our scripture is in John's gospel. It's said during the the festival of the dedication. It's what we now call Hanukkah or the festival of lights celebrated for eight days in December. And in our scripture, Jesus is in the temple courts. He's in Solomon's colonnade, which is this kind of long walkway covered on the east side of the temple. And look with me, John 10. We're going to start with verse 22. Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple walking in Solomon's colonnade. Now skip ahead with me to verse 25. Jesus answered, the, the, oh, let me back up here. These Jews came to Jesus and they said, tell us plainly, are you the Messiah? And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I listen to them. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. So there's a few things I want us to see about what Jesus tells us about his flock. And the first thing is he knows us individually. That is a great picture of our relationship with God. He knows us individually. He knows us each by name. He knows our wants and our needs. He knows our desires. He knows your fears. He knows your worries. He knows what gets you excited every day and what scares you to death. He knows us. There's a story from the Wycliffe Bible translators uh, concerning a tribe of people in Cameroon called the Hadi people. Now, translator Lee Bramlett was working with the Hadi people to help translate their language, you know, translate the Bible into their language. And he discovered that each of their verbs end in one of three vowels, I, E, I, A, or U. And the ending vowel determined exactly what the verb was. So he said when it came to the word love, the word that they had was called DVA, Diva. And he said it could have DVA or DVI, but he learned that in the word love, there is no DVU in their language. So he began to ask the people of the Hadi tribe for help. And he said, okay, concerning love, he said, could your wife DVI? Could you DVI your wife? And they said, well, yes, that means that I did love my wife, but the love is gone. He said, okay, well, could you DVA your wife? And they said, well, yes, but that would determine on my wife's actions. She would be loved as long as she remained faithful and cared for her husband. And he said, well, could you DVU your wife? And he said, all the elder tribesmen began to laugh. And they said, of course not. He said, to DVU your wife meant you would keep loving her no matter what she did. If she never got you water, if she never made you meals, if she committed adultery, you would continue to love your wife. He said, we would never DVU her. That word doesn't exist. 
Well, Lee began to read John 3.16 and he said, Could God leave you people? And he said there was silence and then tears began to flow down the elders' faces. And they said, do you know what that means? That means that God would love us over and over, millennia after millennia, while all the time we are rejecting his love. He's compelled to love us even though we've sinned more than any other people. Well, the word DVU was added into the Hadith translation of the Bible in order to express God's love for us. See, Christ knows his sheep by name. He knows us individually and he loves us. He DVUs us. He loves us over and over, millennia after millennia, while all the time we are rejecting it. He continues to love us even though we continue to sin. He loves each of us. And then Jesus says, the sheep listen to his voice. Listen again to verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. See, the relationship between sheep and shepherd, he's telling us it's not one sided. It's not us going to God and saying, God, I need this. I want this. I need this. I want this. Thank you for, you know, it's not just us. Talking to God, it's God talking to us. We listen to his voice. We hear what he is telling us to do. Hearing how he wants to us to encourage others and serve others and help others. There was a man in Australia a while back. He was arrested because he was charged with stealing a sheep. But he was protesting that his sheep was lost. It was actually his. He had just found it. Well, the case went to court and the judge didn't know how to decide the matter. So finally, he had the sheep brought into the courtroom. I bet you'd never see that in most courtrooms today. It's Australia, yeah. So he ordered the plaintiff, the man who had accused the other guy of stealing his sheep. He said, I want you to call the sheep. So the man called the sheep. But they said all the sheep did was look up and give this look of almost fear. So then the judge instructed the defendant, the guy who had been accused of stealing the sheep. He said, now I want you to call a sheep. And when the man made his distinctive call, the sheep looked up and ran directly to the man. And the judge looked at him and he said, well, his sheep knows him. Case dismissed. See, let me ask you, is that describe your relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you listen to his voice? Do you hear him? You know his voice when he's talking to you. It reminds me of something Fred Rogers, or some of you may know him as Mr. Rogers, once said. He said, listening is where love begins. Listening to ourselves and then to our neighbors. And I think in the proper context, he would have added, as well as listening to God. See, I think you'll agree, most of us are great talkers, aren't we? We love to talk, especially in concern with our spiritual life. But how many of us are great listeners? We love to talk to God and to tell him everything that we need and everything we want and everything we hope for. But how many of us listen to what he wants for us? To tell us and to teach us and to instruct us. Christ says, they listen to my voice. And he continued on in that verse. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. See, he also tells us, if we are his sheep, we are going to follow him. 
When I was in high school, I worked out at Camp LRCA for two summers, and I'll just put a shameless plug because I love the camp too. If you're 16 or older or you know someone 16 or older, they have a great program, and um, you go there for two weeks and you volunteer. And you do pretty much anything that the camp needs you to do. It's called V-Force. And then after those two weeks, you get a free week of camp. And my parents loved it because they thought, well, we'll send Tim to camp for two weeks and let him do stuff. And then he gets another week for camp free and we don't have to pay for it. They thought it was a bonus. I was out of the house for three weeks. Well, I was out of camp working. I mean, you do just whatever they wanted. I helped them build a barn. I helped them paint a cabin. I helped them do more yard work than I've ever done in my entire life. And one day, Mike got into his truck, and he said, Tim, come with me. And I climbed in his truck, and we drove down the road, and there were all of his sheep that he took care of in a pen. And he said, Tim, I want you to help me herd the sheep. I said, Mike, I grew up in the city. I don't have a clue what you're talking about, but I can hear them fine. And he said, no, I want you to herd them. And so Mike got out of his truck, and he began to open the pen and walk down the road, and the sheep started following him. And all I had to do was drive in the truck behind to make sure the sheep kept going. And, you know, if any started to wander off, I was there to help get him back on the road. But it was amazing to me. I watched this, and not one sheep stopped. Not one sheep wandered off. They all followed Mike into the next pasture so where they could be safe and fed. And because I realized they followed him because they knew him. They knew his voice. They knew that they could trust him. And so they followed him. And see, when it comes to us knowing that Jesus is our good shepherd, do we trust him enough that we will follow him? That we will go where he sends us, wherever it may be. Author Neil Anderson said, most people in the Western world don't have a great picture of what it means to be led by sheep. Because Mike aside, a lot of shepherds in, their, in our Western world They lead sheep from behind with barking dogs, biting at their heels, getting the sheep to go. But he said in the Eastern world, like they did in biblical times, they would leave them from the front. And he said he was in Bethlehem one time and he was watching the shepherd lead his sheep and they had stopped on this hillside and the shepherd sat for a rest and the sheep were eating. And he said after a while, the shepherd got up, said a few words and walked away. And he said all the sheep followed him. And he said it was these words took new meaning to his voice, to his mind. It said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And see, we we can judge whether a person is a disciple of Christ by who they are following. Are we following Jesus Christ? Because so many people today, they want the benefits of belonging to the flock. They want to be known completely and intimately by God and protected by God. But they don't always want the responsibility of listening and following him. People want to know him as their savior, just not as their master. But are we following him? And see, the great thing in our scripture this morning is Jesus is well aware of our weaknesses and our waywardness. And so he adds this final word of grace. Verse 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Christ ensures us no one can take us away. No one can snatch them. No one can snatch his sheep out of his flock. In other words, God DVUs us. He loves us. 
day after day, millennia after millennia, no matter what. The year was 1850. I was just a small lad at the time. And there's a story about the prairies of the Midwest. There was a little log cabin and a little boy named Timmy, no relation. But Timmy was on the verge of death from diphtheria. And so a Methodist circuit preacher was coming into the area and he stopped into Timmy's house to see how he was doing. And he realized Timmy wasn't well. And so he asked him, he said, Timmy, do you know the 23rd Psalm? He said, well, yeah, I learned that last year in Sunday school. And he began to recite it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And the pastor stopped him. And he said, well, I want you to do it slowly. And so he decided to teach him a new way on how to say the 23rd Psalm. He said, count the words on your finger, beginning with your thumb. The Lord is my shepherd. And when the pastor got to my, he was holding his fourth finger. And he said, you know, this is, this is your ring finger. This is the wedding finger where your parents put a ring on it. It's the finger of love. And so he said, every time you're saying that, when you get to my, it'll be a reminder that the Lord is your personal shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Well, the pastor left and he came back during the springtime, wanted to see how Timmy was doing. But when he got there, he noticed there was a mound of dirt with a cross. And he knew Timmy had died. And so he went in to talk with the parents. And the mom described the final night, how they had kissed him goodnight and they left the room. And they came back the next morning and they knew he had died. And the mom said, but the strange thing was, Timmy was holding his ring finger. And she said, I don't understand. And so the pastor began to explain to them that that he was a personal shepherd. That little, little Timmy knew that Christ was his shepherd. And no one could take that away. The Lord is my shepherd. Or as Jesus would have said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Jesus, the good shepherd, knows each of us. By name, he knows each of our hurts and our fears and our worries and our prayers. He knows each of our joys. He knows everything about us. All we have to do is listen to him and follow him. And we can trust that he will never leave us. He will always provide for us. And nothing will ever separate us from his love. That's the promise that he made to us. To the sheep of his pasture. So my question as we close this morning is. Do you listen to his voice? Do you follow him? Or is that something you need to do today? Is that the commitment you need to make this morning? To surrender your life to him. To begin following him now.